0: This week on The Reverse Stick, we're joined by Keeley Dunn from FHUmpires.com, There's African Cup of Nations, the Women's Asia Cup, the Sultan of Johor Cup, and guess who turns 21... Yes, you're listening to the Birthday Podcast. It's a reverse stick. Happy birthday, Matt Allen.
1: Uh, Yeah, thanks. I think it's a year is a birthday, but 21 episodes. It's something to crow about a little bit, I think. Hang on, let me have a go. (laughs) Dear, that was a bit of a dud. (laughs) But this podcast isn't going to be a
0: dud, and hopefully none of them have been a dud. We've got plenty coming up tonight. Keely Dunn from FH Umpires will join us to have a chat about... Hockey in general, while umpiring in particular.
1: And we'll fill you in on all the news of the various Confederation Cups that have been happening around and about. And uh, we've got our final lineup for the World Cups sorted out. And uh, there's still a few more tournaments coming up as well. Plenty going on in the world of hockey at the moment.
0: I think we might actually be um, the world's longest running global hockey broadcast.
1: I think it, uh, we're considering getting in touch with Guinness. Um We've talked about some not of the... Not
0: for the World Records book or anything, <laughs> other reasons. Oh, no, I'm going back to the UK next year <laughs> and just wondering if it's they could all... accommodate a visit.
1: <laughs> no, seriously. I am hoping if I can okay. get in. No, but I'll just tell you a little story now. My my uh, great-grandfather was a drayman at Guinness for, uh, oh, for many, many years bit of a sad ending though um
0: I oh, don't tell you fell in the vat
1: No, way he didn't know his, his wife died but he um uh, soon after he got trampled by um one of the dray horses on his foot and uh, got gangrene in his leg and died cheery note to start the 21st uh, yeah. 21st podcast off uh, there
0: On the News.
1: you so where do we want to start with our news this week? I oh guess probably the results from the African Cup of Nations in Ismailia in Egypt. And a great tournament there. Thank you very much to On Sports um, in Egypt, the channel there that streamed all of the games live on YouTube. If you ever want, want to watch any Egyptian sport or Egyptian TV, it's streaming live on YouTube all the time there. Some interesting ads popped up. I know you were fascinated by some of them. Yeah. Um, Talk about the hockey. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, some interesting ads. But look, um, a great tournament there. It did go to script. We we picked out the winners and the losers uh, last week and I think maybe the week before as well. Mm And so uh, congratulations to a man that was mentioned a few weeks ago on the podcast When it was announced that he'd be taking on the women's role as one well as the men's role as coach Mr. Sheldon Rostron uh, yeah. ca- Came came away with a double bubble there with the the gold in the tournament for men and the women uh, The women had a 4-0 win against Ghana in the final there And uh, the men had a... A very late two-one win against Egypt in the final there after the two sides had a three-three draw. So it's got to be tough to go and play the Egyptians in Egypt there. And despite South Africa's um, in a higher ranking than Egypt, then uh, you know it was it was a very very tense tight game there. And uh, yeah, a good spectacle for the game.
0: We'll talk about Egypt a little bit later on, about yeah, just recapping those scores in the in the men's South Africa beating Egypt 2 1. Their eighth consecutive win, and they'd drawn three all in the pool games. Yes. So no, that was a, t- not that was much a tight between game. Them. Yeah. Not much between them. Unlucky for the Egyptians. Uh, and in the women's South Africa beat Ghana 4 0. Their seventh consecutive African Cup of Nations. I wonder if there's any pressure there on them to get near the Australians' men's run of 10 in the um, Oceania Cup. Remains to be seen, but Egypt have got a good chance there. We'll talk about that a little bit later on.
1: So just, just to note, that, that South Africa win there puts them through to the World Cup. It and does. You mentioned last week about that being the last genuine opportunity for a team to qualify. They have qualified, so the men go through, the women were already through, which has meant that there's that spot's been opened up for for India there, and the Indian women, regardless of how they do in the the Asia Cup, for women that's happening at the moment, they'll be playing in the World Cup. They will.
0: So now we have all the World Cup places filled. Every nation that's going is now being chosen. Uh, so for the men, the hosts will be India, Argentina, Australia, Belgium, China, Canada, England, France, Germany, Ireland, Malaysia, the Netherlands, New Zealand, Pakistan, South Africa and Spain will all be there. For the women's side, we've got England as the hosts, then Argentina, Australia, China, Germany, Ireland, Italy, Japan, Korea, the Netherlands, New Zealand, South Africa, Spain, the USA and just recently qualified India and Belgium.
1: So yeah, Belgium have got in there on the back of the results from the uh, Women's Asia Cup which is happening at the moment. So as as Which it's is tra- next port of Well it will be so but it, as it's transpired there's regardless of who wins the tournament, that spot has now become available to the eighth place team in one of the pools from the Hockey World League semi finals and that team happens to be Belgium.
0: So well done to Belgium.
1: Yeah, well done to Belgium. They've they've sneaked in there and you know, that's it, locked in, all of this conjecture on who beats who and who finishes where in different tournaments and all that sort of stuff that's been going on over the past three, four months. That's finally all, all come to rest now and we know who is going to be playing at the World Cup, not only for the Outdoor World Cups, but also so for the Indoor the World, World Cups. Cups and it's all locked in for
0: 2018. And uh, the World Cups, of course, well, for the men, they've got another year to wait until November next year. That's right. Yeah. Bubaneshwar? I think I pronounced that
1: correctly. bubaneswa
0: ba- bubaneswa Is that... Uh, I What's think, I back? think, yeah, I think I was calling it uh,
1: Babaneshwar, and I think yeah, yeah. Jazz has said Babaneshwar. <laughs> but uh, I also think that's, what, I watched uh, Jason McCracken, CEO of the FIH's uh, video log, the latest one of those a couple of days ago. Well, actually, we, we watched it together, didn't we? And, um, Babaneshwar, Babaneshwar, Babaneshwar. You know, it's in India
0: Hopefully one of our Indian listeners will set us straight there Um, The women, not so long away, July 21st Their tournament gets underway in London So good luck to all the teams there We did mention the uh, Women's Asia Cup there Matt
1: So yeah, the Women's Asia Cup It's been the most difficult uh, tournament of all of the Confederations To view in any capacity There seems to be no television streaming Whether it be through... Um, uh, a pay per view broadcast. It's not being
0: broadcast at all. It's in not being broadcast. Shape, no. or form, well,
1: all, all, all I've seen on, um, little, little snippets online is that telephone reception is not too great in Gifu, um, down in the, the, the southern part of the island there. And, and. Yeah, they're th- not receiving the game, they're sending it. Yeah, and, and I've, I've genuinely been in touch with somebody in Japan this evening who's sitting having, a friend of mine who's in, in Japan sitting opposite a guy who's pretty well connected with Japanese hockey and he's going to dig into it a little bit to see what's happening but what, what, what I see with it is that there's nothing being broadcast and uh, maybe we can talk about this later but there's nothing being broadcast and why is the Women's Asia Cup of any less significance than the Men's Asia Cup it just seems bloody ridiculous
0: And uh, I would like to point out the irony that occurs on their website in such a case, because well, uh, you're, looking,
1: you're looking at the AsiaHockey.org org website at the moment yeah, with the right women's outside. Asia Cup page open, and yeah. on the second uh, bar down, what does it say, John? It
0: says it is on. But oh. what gets me is a little. Uh, it's not an emoji, isn't an icon. There's an icon yeah. next to the statement. It is on colon, and uh, that no, is,
1: exclamation mark
0: is exclamation mark. <laughs> it should be a colon because that's what they're talking. Uh, there's a there's a television image logo. It is on Not on that television Or any other television It's on So we we,
1: Yeah We'll we'll talk about the results Here in a moment But it It's uh, It seems odd Because they've got Video umpires there It's It's uh, Confederation's Cup final There's video umpires appointed There's cameras there Filming something um, we saw from the Sultan of Joe Hall Cup that we'll talk a, a, a little bit more about in a bit, that you can do a decent broadcast w- with one camera, and they've got more than that, definitely, in, in, uh, uh Gifu for the women's Station But Cup there's at the some moment.
0: people that wouldn't really be caring too much about whether it was being broadcast or not, and that's the players and coaches involved, because they're just thinking about the hockey and they care nothing much for it. So tell, tell us awesome about the, the, the come it, come on,
1: tell us about the results. What's going on there, John?
0: I thought you were going to do that, okay. but I can start us off. Um, the, the pool rounds first of up, um, India topped their pool. Now we had Jaspreet Zani on before the, the tournament started and he said, you know, look, if India finished fifth, they're probably doing alright. Uh, they managed to finish the top of their pool undefeated. Uh, with a goal difference of 16, so uh, they did all right from three games. Yeah,
1: they played very well, and just you know, hot hot news which has just come out today is that they beat in Kazakhstan 7-1. Kazakhstan finished bottom of the uh, the opposite pool. They beat them in the quarter-final so they now go through to the semi-finals. Yep, they do, um, and they'll be
0: playing amongst other people. China along the way will perhaps. Uh, China finished second in Pool A. Malaysia and Singapore at the bottom. Oh that pool pool b Korea finished on top, they won all their games as well. They had a goal difference of twenty one so they 're obviously going to be a formidable opponent you'd think going up against you know the high scoring side admittedly, they had Kazakhstan in their pool who have been roundly thrashed in every game, so perhaps those sorts of goal differences on another day you might have only scored eight um, yeah, <laughs> you know you can 't tell Japan finishing second there, so they 're through to the uh well. They're not through. We'll get to the, how the the quarterfinal system worked in a sec. Um, Thailand and Kazakhstan finishing at the bottom of the pool, so that took us to the quarterfinals. Matt, now how did these work out? The top from one pool played the bottom from the other. That's pool That's right.
1: Yeah. So yeah, the the two pools played against uh, off, off against each other. With uh,
0: okay, so different. India India top of pool A played the bottom of pool B. Kazakhstan, China was second of their pool. They played the third team from yeah. pool B, which was Thailand. Um, Korea played Singapore and Japan played Malaysia That was how the quarterfinals worked The winners went through to the uh, first, second, third, fourth games yeah. And the semifinals The, semifinals, yeah. the losers into a rapper charge. Uh So that leaves us with the semifinal situation as we understand it And for many of you these games might already have been played But China will be playing Korea and India will be playing Japan in the semis and uh, in the other classifications games, Thailand are playing uh, Singapore and Kazakhstan playing Malaysia. And from that, you'd probably think the Malaysians would be uh, very disappointed that it was their chance there, that they probably well, think I think
1: w- w- with Jazz saying that he'd hope that the the Indian women, they you know they'd be hoping for a, a fifth place position and they'd be happy with that. Well, Malaysia would be the team they they would have been looking to displace to get into fourth place if they were only getting fifth, so they they'd be happy. Yeah, Malaysia probably a little bit upset. But you would expect those to be the final four within that, that group, you know, within the competition. Interesting, Jemmy Moulders okay. is now in char- charge of those Chinese girls, and I did read that their their goalkeeper, it was on the f 8 site, I think their goalkeeper had said that um, they've been a little bit restricted in what they've been able to do so far, so they've set their own kind of style up, but they're really looking forward to working with Moulders and um, progressing. So. You know, let's see what happens in these these semi-final games.
0: I found the format of the tournament interesting too because you had your pool, you had your round robin, and all that was was a seeding. So you could have been in the position of, say, Kazakhstan where you got flogged at every game, but still made the semi-finals.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah no, but that that's commonplace. We, you know, we've had yeah, we've yeah, had oh, that no, with lot, you know, lot wrong, of the, was it? The, the top the top tournaments over you the know, past couple of years. If you if you're good enough, you can you
0: can win. But uh, it it's interesting that you can also go through perhaps like India um Undefeated and you know been playing really good hockey and you have a bad day and you're gone. In yeah, a quarter yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Against a team that well, do, don't complain know. about it, John. You you've been going on for the past two or three weeks about knockout finals oh, and I how much it. you love them and you know uh, blah blah oh, blah. What you're going to start? Really good. You, you're going to start crying for people now because they win three games and then losing the semi final.
0: No, well if I'm the team that's winning, I'm going to suck eggs,
1: him <laughs> 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 But yeah. Yeah, but look, it, it, it seems from what we've seen coming out of it, you'd expect it to be a great tournament. We're really looking forward to try and see some of the games because we've got four of the top 12-ranked oh, women's yeah. teams in the world taking part in this competition. And then uh, yeah, and Malaysia as well. And, and it, you, you you can't see it. it. I don't know. It just seems rude. And, I, and I'm genuinely... Why, why do we get um, coverage of the Men's Asia Cup and not get it of the Women's Asia Cup? It's ridiculous.
0: Now... There's certain, Sorry, I went a bit
1: high-pitched there.
0: <laughs> there's a certain sideline to what you're talking about that is covered in uh, our editorial on the website this week too, Matt. That's right. TheReverseStick.net, that's the website. Uh, there'll be a link on the home page, or you can click on the link at the top that says opinion and there's editorials there. And uh, Yeah, this week's editorial is linked to your frustration. With uh, finding out about streams and stuff, so check that out, and we'd like to know what you think as well because um, don't want to talk about it. We'd like to see if people will read it and give us their opinion back, and we'll have the discussion next week. Yeah, but so please j- do check. Just it out.
1: to pique your interest a little bit, get on and have a look at it because it's talking about the role of social media within our governing bodies and sporting organisations and the people that should be leading our game or not should be are leading our game. Um, excuse me, though, uh, <laughs> and. Um, yeah, you know what their response is to the, to the hockey world, to to the stakeholders that you you and I that out there that contribute to our game, that play our game, that are part of the fabric of our game, and uh, yeah, and how how we're treated through in this uh, new world of uh, social media and instant response.
0: Well, allegedly instant
1: response You know i it, It's
0: good to let you go for a rant occasionally though. I like being the voice of Carmen Reason on this program <laughs> <laughs> Now let's get to the Sultan of Johor Cup shall we That was played um, Finished on Sunday just gone Over uh, the preceding week And it was an interesting tournament It's an under 21 tournament It's a men only tournament Which was you know a little bit sad I like to see uh, when we have hockey tournaments The girls and the boys there But you know there's reasons whatever Um what do you think?
1: Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, first and foremost. Stay I, off,
0: stay off, just for a minute, the broadcasting issue. We'll <laughs> leave that to it. Let's talk about the hockey first. For,
1: first and foremost, I'll say it was great to be able to watch it. So, you yeah, know. Okay, okay, we'll just okay. So we we'll just we'll yeah, just we'll say cool. And so we did mention last week of the week before that um, Ash Morrison was doing the, um, the the commentary there and he, he also organised the, the camera work there and he did that with the help of Mercy in Hockey, Sorello uh, Coaching Academy, uh, Curtin University, Malaysia. So thank you so much to those sponsors. Um, I think All Access Plumbing as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, thanks to all of those sponsors for contributing to that project. It's a self-funded hockey project to, to be able to take that um, those saltna jaw hall games on YouTube for free out to the hockey world and uh, so yeah thanks to those guys for getting behind it and, and thanks to Ash for organizing and getting onto it love the hockey John um, particularly enjoyed the couple of matchups between Australia and GB there was a little bit of spice in in those games there and uh, a little bit unfortunate for the USA in that competition. Uh, we talked before about Papua New Guinea and their relevance oh. within the Oceania Cup and copping a load of goals against them. And
0: Well, it, it struck me that a lot of those people didn't have much to say when the USA was copping a flogging them. I don't know, maybe 20 goals is all right and 30 goals is a bit too much. Um,
1: well, I gave them a bit of allowance last week for the, the first defeat, I think, as they just stepped off the plane. But as we went on to discover um, through the tournament and beyond, I think they had... Two 15 year olds two 16 year olds two seventeen year olds maybe even two 18 year olds in a squad of 15 players against guys you know from some of their countries that are almost on the verge of making their national teams as twenty one oh, year old and, lads
0: and, and also in the lead up to world League finals and World Cups coming up next year these guys are coming up against guys from teams like Great Britain Australia India Malaysia Japan all of those guys. In those under-21 teams Know that there's a spot available If they play well enough To go to those World League Finals And those World Cups Yeah, or,
1: and Com, com, com Games com, as well Commonwealth Games for yeah.
0: some of them Yep, you're right And so they You know, there's a lot for them To be playing for And you mentioned the age Of the the American kids And a lot of them were kids Yeah Um, I, I thought Given that I know there was a fairly harsh reaction In, in the United States To their performance And I thought That, that was a bit harsh um, given their ages and also the, the competition that they're exposed to at home and those sorts of oh, factors you
1: you know, I, USA probably have only, have only got double or three times the amount of male hockey players that Trinidad and Tobago have got, now you look at the difference in the size of the countries and these guys are going to be spread out all over the place it's, it's going to be really really hard to get I've seen that some really positive stuff come out of USA Field Hockey this week about, uh, um, growing the game, particularly growing the game for guys over there. It's not a traditional sport that's played, obviously. We, we, we know that. So, good on them for going over and, and, and giving it a go, but it's, it's gotta be bloody hard. You're playing against countries that, you know, that this, this sport, our game is entrenched within, within the, uh, society.
0: Now, I was speaking to a friend of ours during the week, Matt, who, who witnessed the games on YouTube. Thanks, Ash. A friend of ours by the name of The Hack, you might have you might have seen some of his written work on the website. And no, uh, no, to be honest,
1: I don't bother reading it. But well, uh, I feel free to though. It's all very entertaining <laughs> stuff, apparently.
0: Well, he, he had a word into my ear, and he 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 reckons that uh the American boys need to remember that hockey is a game for warriors. To quote him, "You've got to learn to whack, bike, son."
1: Yeah. Uh, look, I think it was just some harsh realities happening with some of the some of the young guys that were playing there that um, you don't have time on the ball, um, you don't get an opportunity to have a little meander before you make a decision because someone's going to be down on you, and particularly if they see fresh blood, these you know. There's a lot of fierce competitors in that under twenty-one level, and uh, they're going to go for it.
0: Well, I, I sort of got the idea of what he was talking about in the sense that you know, hockey is what <laughs> no, no,
1: he was talking about. Yeah, go he, on. He, yeah, yeah. You.
0: you know what I was like. Yeah, that you fella, get a yeah. couple of beers Sorry, into him, on. and it gets, gets a bit <laughs> dangerous. In in the idea that hockey is a go, you, you play with a weapon, you hit a projectile around it weighs five and a half ounces, and it fairly well hurts when it hits you, and the, 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 they seem to be. And not not scared, not frightened, but there was something about them that was like, oh, yeah, it is dangerous and I don't want to hurt people, whereas the mindset has to be, people are going to get hurt anyway, bugger the danger laxadaisical
1: I don't know there, there, was, there, was, there was a missing. bit of there was a bit of a lollip around from a couple of the lads there and it must be just, said
0: you uh, don't see it in the women's game from the American girls well, like, so maybe they should spend some more time playing the ladies I don't see
1: any women's team on the international stage that uh, certainly in the top 20 teams that hit the ball as much as the American teams uh, the American girls do because oh really oh yeah absolutely a good whack you know, you, you don't see it with a lot of top nations. It's all a nice slide pass yeah. or, you know, a you know, firm slap across the field. But uh, a good whack, that's what we like. I oh, know you love a good whack. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Comedy gold here on the reverse <laughs> stick. <laughs> um, where are we moving on to now? What else is going on, Newsworthy? Let, uh, let me just go through my research.
1: This is it. if, you a, hear, if you hear a <laughs> rustle of paper, it means we actually have done a bit, a bit of research this week coming into the show. What's
0: going on? Oh, Pakistan World Eleven.
1: Yeah, well, they've made an announcement that it's going ahead in December. Um, so, you know, I'm not sure exactly on the dates in December and whether that's going to tie up with first Hockey World weeks, League.
0: First two weeks of December, they reckon, the well, World League will Which
1: is exactly when, well, when Hockey World League's playing.
0: October 31st would be the start of it. Of what? The... um.
1: No, oh, it's sorry, going to be October, October 31st.
0: 31st. No, the first two weeks of December.
1: Yeah, which is when Hockey World Three League matches. is going to be taking okay. part. So, so it so won't be current players. No. So we've noticed that there was an announcement that, um let's just say, Jamie Dwyer has shown potential interest in in, in taking part in that uh, uh, series of games. You also heard something about some of the young goalkeepers from Australia and yeah, Argentina maybe being involved. There was
0: a, a press release all that... There was a press release from um, the Pakistan Hockey Federation uh, saying that they were going to be approaching the Indian hockey board, Hockey India, to uh, ask if a couple of Indian players would like to come up and play in the World 11 as, quote, a goodwill gesture. So I'll wait and see how that plays out, whether India thinks it's a good idea. It'd be nice to think that Indian players could go and play in a World 11 game against Pakistan for, you know reasons of goodwill I'll wait and see if that happens Um, I can understand why they would have some reservations about it as well there's also the upcoming Pakistan league the Pakistani Hockey League now we don't know a lot of details about it yet we'll try and get some more but uh, it's believed that the nine goalkeepers that Played in the uh, Nissa El Haida E sorry tournament yeah. have been approached. I don't know if they're all going back. There's 11 teams and they've approached the same nine, the nine guys from Australia and Argentina that kept in the nines tournament, and so they're looking for a
1: couple more international goalkeepers as well. But what's wrong with the Pakistani goalkeepers? Because I'm pretty sure that when they initially announced the the list of players that would be involved in that um, shortened format tournament. That there were 11 Pakistani goalkeepers that were named, so those poor guys that were named, I don't they can't be that bad, surely. Do you reckon that
0: the Irish umpire, some Irish umpire has been in their ear, the Pakistan (laughs) Goalkeepers Union or something? They're on strike?
1: Yeah. No, boys, I want to go out. (laughs) Maybe it's it's a green thing. They're both both green machines, I think.
0: Oh, yes. No, but it's just interesting. We can joke about it, but they're, I mean, are all their goalkeepers of such high quality, world class excellence that uh, just try to hide them away so that no one else will pitch them? Maybe.
1: Maybe, I'm, maybe it's just it's saving them to be a bolter in a final and suddenly find out they've got the world's best goalkeeper in there. And it's, yeah, maybe it's a robo goalkeeper or something like that that stops everything. I don't know. Um, just while we're on Pakistan on wise. Uh, Pakistan women were of course involved In the Women's Hockey Asia Challenge In Brunei Um, We said last week That there was three teams Didn't show up Or weren't involved At the last moment In that tournament So it was left uh, Down to the host Brunei Pakistan And Hong Kong China So they played a double set Of round robbing games Against each other To work out the the top two Um, It turned out in the end That Hong Kong China Were 4-0 4-0 victors over Pakistan in the final. Uh, Hong Kong, China ranked 38th. Pakistan ranked, uh, ranked 68th in the world at the moment. Um, so a bit of a shortened format tournament there. But, uh, yeah, great to see some international hockey being played.
0: And you're listening to the reverse stick the global hockey podcast it's time now for our feature interview and we've got a great guest this week matt
1: we have indeed joining us today on the reverse stick is keely dunn founder of fh umpires former grade one uh field hockey international umpire and um oh you know a well-known voice on social media keely welcome to the show
2: thank you very much gentlemen it's an absolute pleasure to be here
1: great to have you on now First off, Keely, FH Umpires, can you share with the listeners what it's all about?
2: Yeah, FH Umpires, I started it uh, with a good friend of mine about seven or eight years ago, just as a way to develop a community globally uh, around umpiring. Uh, John Ritzak and I felt very isolated here in Calgary, uh, hockey being the very tiny sport that it is here, and officiating it being even tinier, so we we thought we'd start reaching out and just trying to promote and celebrate and educate and do all those things on social media, and somehow I forgot to quit doing this uh, quite some time ago, and it's it's grown to be quite a fun activity.
1: Well, f- first up for the listeners, I think we've got to take note that you've just said hockey and you meant hockey as we know it. You also it said Calgary in the same, <laughs> same sentence. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I imagine you're a little bit isolated in that part of the world as well with making a comment like that.
2: Oh, let me tell you, the cognitive dissonance is overwhelming, <laughs> but uh, luckily, I, I've I've been really fortunate in my umpiring career to spend a lot of time abroad, and in particular, I spent almost six seasons over in England umpiring the domestic league there, and they, boy, did they ever pound out uh, the field hockey <laughs> out of me. <laughs> they, they would not tolerate that kind of nonsense, so uh, when I come home, I, I do... Uh, it's, I, I am quite bilingual. I will switch from ice hockey to field hockey to hockey and, <laughs> you know, appropriate to the audience. And I, I, I consider it one of my superpowers.
0: You mentioned you'd been to England and you'd been umpiring over there. Where did you start hockey?
2: Um, I started here in Calgary. And at the age of 14, I started high school and had never picked up a stick prior to that. It just wasn't something that was available here. And I was astonishingly short at the age of uh, 14 <laughs> and surprisingly didn't make the volleyball or basketball team. And the only alternative available to me was, uh, was hockey and went out for the team and managed to slip in as I think the, the 16th player, the 15th player or something like that. And, and I was hooked. I, I absolutely loved it. It was one of those things that as a teenager, I realized if I worked really hard at it, and I, I know you can do this in many other areas, but for me, this is where I learned the lesson that if I worked very hard at something, I could actually get better. And that's what I did with, with hockey and, uh, didn't start umpiring until I started playing club, which was uh, around the age of 17, 18.
1: John's ears pricked up when you said that about starting late in, late in age, but uh, umpiring uh, no, after a previous early, show. early at age. Well, no, that's late, seventeen, eighteen, to start umpiring. Oh, so I reckon it's about the right time to start umpiring. That's, exactly, anyway, so that's I what I'm saying I thought your ears pricked up. Anyway,
0: sorry. <laughs> well, I,
2: I do note the conversations that the two of you have had earlier about <laughs> when to start umpiring. So we can certainly delve into that later. But what you'll find interesting is that I didn't begin umpiring seriously until I was 29. And I was at the national championships as a again historically a thoroughly mediocre player and I got approached by this stranger wearing black pants who simply walked up to me Uh, his name is Ian Gibson so hi Gibby Um, he (laughs) asked me so you know have you ever thought about giving up this playing malarkey and, and becoming an umpire and I just I looked at him because I said you've never seen me umpire and he said I just watched you play 70 minutes of the most cheating hockey I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> you know the game better than the people who have the whistles. <laughs> I think you need to umpire. Oh, that's brilliant. And so, so, he he was,
1: so he wasn't talking about the team. It was speci- specifically aimed at you?
2: Absolutely. I was horrible. I was a goon. I was a cheat because I had, I, and I'm not lying, I had no talent. I had no athletic uh, ability, but I was really smart, and I knew how to bend things and just outright defy the rules in order to keep up with all these really, really good players that I was trying to mark, so that's how it all started. So
1: the poacher turned gamekeeper.
2: Precisely.
1: Oh, you and Matt are uh, long-lost brothers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's a great story. <laughs>
1: I didn't. I didn't do it, ump. I didn't do it. <laughs> I, no, I didn't.
0: <laughs> so what? What? What led you into the um the sphere of high end umpiring? That you know, getting involved at an international level. Was it something when you were first asked that you thought, oh wow, yeah, I could, you know, be something in umpiring? Or was it just, oh yeah, will oh, I'll, I'll have a crack?
2: Well, that was the second half of that conversation with uh, Ian Gibson. Is that? Once he dangled the, the compliment in front of me that I knew the, the rules better than, you know, the people with the whistles, which I'm sure was a, a bit of a, a piece of false flattery, but it totally worked on me. <laughs> and I said, well, why would I ever want to do that? I mean, I was very anti-umpire. I blamed every loss that we had ever had, which were all of them, <laughs> uh, on calls that were made against my teams. And and I I thought... Well, I. And and look at the clothes they have to wear. I mean, this is terrible. And he said, well, we think you could go international. And I said, international? I had no idea what he was talking about. It hadn't even occurred to me that there were umpires running matches Uh at that level. Because back then, it was, you know, so low visibility. And, yeah, that was the carrot that really stuck it out for me. And... I believe it was a year later, I went on my first tour with the Canadian team. We went over to Scotland and Wales and I had a great time. Um, but of course I was so naive. I knew nothing about what was happening. And then I got appointed to my first tournament was actually the, um, the Pan Am games in 2002, I believe, which was just ridiculous. There was, there was no reason for me to be there and, uh, everything just sort of, Uh, unfolded. So (laughs) I I had a golden spoon in my mouth early on.
1: I don't mean to be rude, but were you there because there was a shortage of umpires capable, or (laughs) were you, did you excel, you know, from the, the limited experience that you had?
2: It was exactly like getting on this podcast today, guys, in that (laughs) I was probably the seventh or the eighth choice to get called into the tournament. A bunch of people had had pulled out and and that sort of thing, because I think I got the call maybe a month before the tournament, which by appointment standards is quite late. But of course, I didn't know that. I was just delighted at this opportunity. Oh, yeah, this is great. I totally deserve to be there. And really had no idea that I was uh I I was getting thrown into the lion's den.
0: Now one of the reasons we got you on, Keely, apart from being number eight in line, is you're you're an umpire and uh we want to talk about umpires with you. You mentioned before your attitude to umpires as a player. What's the right nexus between umpire and player as far as those feelings go, you know? Like we we've gotta respect umpires obviously, but can you see a side of it where an, a player can say, look, I, I'm frustrated with it or something?
2: I absolutely do. I am a fan of being accountable and being able to listen to blunt criticism. I think that that's absolutely fair. I also, as an umpire who's spent a lot of time supporting my colleagues and being out there on social media and, and showing the positive aspects of umpiring, I also think it's really important for all players to understand that there has to be a level of respect there because the proportionality, the the impact that we have on the game, there needs to be some logic behind understanding how much are we really changing the game with any mistake that we make. And so there's a fine balance to be had, but I really do promote that kind of attitude. Yes, please come to me. Let's talk about the stuff that I need to improve. And I think all of the best umpires share that attitude.
1: You've written a great article in uh, Hockey World News, which was released a week or so ago, um, and covers lots of great stuff with umpiring. One of the points that I'm most interested in is um, the final line is, is even Simon Orchard. And um, <laughs> or, Orchard's Orch got the uh, the article exe- like, <laughs> precisely before your article <laughs> in the publication. Now
2: Guys, now guys that was now, absolutely hilarious and yeah. completely unplanned. <laughs> when the edition came out, I contacted Jade and said, what did you do? That is hysterical. <laughs> and she said, it was an accident.
0: I'll look from an editor's point believe of that
1: view. I i I'm going with that as an editor, I've got to tell you. I've got to say what's, what's equally um, amusing is that I did a little uh, great Hockey World News super articles from Orch 3 and FH umpires. I hadn't read either of them when, when I sent that out and then read it subsequently. Um, you've got to remember, Orch is about your age when you started umpiring at 29 years old. He's probably, I think, he's just 30, Orch at the moment. So maybe his views will mellow on umpires and he might think his future's with the whistle.
2: <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> Let me tell you, when when that article that I used as fodder for yes. my reply. When that came out in February, I was contacted by a number of people. Are you gonna put out a reply? And I think I it, it took me months to calm down enough to compose a cogent <laughs> response. I was so I was so infuriated by it.
1: Let let me give I you understand. the hot Kaylee, let me give you the hot tip. Orch. Um probably struggled struggled in a lot of games after that getting things blown his way
2: (laughs) i am not surprised but you know i'm highly disappointed that i haven't heard from him personally on this uh after writing my article i was expecting to see some vitriolic something come out on twitter and and absolutely nothing and I'm I'm highly disappointed.
1: So, can you tell us quickly about FH Umpires and uh, FHUmpires.com and what people can find there and what resources are there available for umpires?
2: All right. Well, things are just sort of ramping up for me. This is now my full-time vocation. So, what we're aiming at providing is online education for umpires globally. So, there are going to be courses that you can take to help improve your decision making, your management uh, your tactical awareness and those sort of issues. Uh, I'm also launching a podcast shortly called play on. And what I'm going to be doing there is a deep dive into issues that affect us as umpires. And I'm really excited about some of the interviews that I have, uh, lined up and that are in the editing queue right now. Uh, (laughs) that should be really interesting if you're a total rules nerd like me and, uh, there are a lot of us out there. That's, that's what's really surprising about this whole FH Empires thing is that there's a lot of people who really are interested and want to improve and want to get better and know that with the help of some community resources, uh, they they can achieve some some pretty cool
0: things. One thing that, because I'm I'm new to Twitter, but very new, but one of the things that surprised <laughs> me was the amount of um, umpire community there seems to be. That you know, there's lots of uh, different umpiring communities tweeting and con- connecting with each other.
2: Yeah, it's it's amazing, and it's something that I think has really grown in the last sort of five years. I've been encouraging a lot of my colleagues to try to get a bit more vocal and a little less shy out on social media and, and there are some umpires who really do a great job at reaching out. I, I remember uh, leading up to the Rio Olympics, Lorraine Del Forge from Belgium uh, had a crowdfunding campaign that she promoted on Twitter and she did a really good job in, uh, in it, not promoting herself but looking for support from the community and uh shouting out to her sponsors and things like that and leading up to the olympics and being able to do the preparation that she felt she needed to do to reach you know her peak level performance and it completely paid off she was uh she was appointed to the gold medal match at an extraordinarily young age and she had a great great tournament so this is the kind of thing that's available to umpires out there and i think just communicating with each other and, and showing each other support uh you know, there was a young umpire from Scotland that has been following me for a while who tweeted out a few days ago that she was having a bit of a tough time, you know, in the rest of her life, and it was affecting her umpiring, and I just kind of sent her a hug and said, hey, hang in there, kiddo, and and those are the kind of things that I think we can make a difference with, with each other.
0: Keely, we all know who all the, the, who the great players are or the, the best players in their generation. We see them on the TV all the time, but who are the great umpires? Who are the ones that, you, when when a game comes on, you, you see them listed as being the umpire, you go, wow, I'm going to enjoy this.
2: Oh, <laughs> oh you're putting me on the spot because these are <laughs> some of these people, my friends. Um, I think that on the women's side, obviously I, I look to people like Michelle Joubert and Lorinda Del Forge, uh, who were the gold medalist umpires uh, in Rio, as being outstanding. I'm enjoying watching some of the young... Up and comers like Alicia Newman and, oh, you're putting me on the spot. Um, (laughs) no pressure. Yeah, no pressure at all. Um, and then on the men's side of the game, you know, there's so many different personalities and, and as a, uh, as as a student of umpiring and somebody who, who works really deeply in the field, I, I watch different umpires for different things. So I'll watch, you know, recently retired John Wright. For his particular flavor of player management, which is, you know, absolutely, you know, can be quite aggressive and confrontational at times, but it works for him. Uh, or then I'll watch a uh, Yaku Melgic, Hopefully I said his name correctly. And I mean, he's hilarious out there. He's so, he's got so much sparkle in his personality and he uses humor instead as his tool. So you can watch different umpires to find out different things. Some have, excel in their positioning which creates decision-making accuracy I watched one umpire um Bruce Bale from England and he was I believe it was uh, I can't which remember remember which Hockey World League round it was but I watched in one match and he had just the most accurate game I I think I've seen televised recently and every video review he was spot on and he knew exactly what he was asking about. And technically, it was just an amazing performance. And so those are the sort of things that you can pick out when you're really deeply into umpiring like this. The same way I think that you would as a coach <laughs> of players and you would watch for different things.
0: Keely, one of the things I love uh, about some other codes of umpiring uh, and their umpiring is uh, the movement of them. And I'm speaking sp- specifically about... Um, cricket umpires, the signalling, the way an umpire signals. And it seems to me signalling's gone out of hockey in a little bit of a way. Um, when I was growing up, you'd see far more specific hand signals for different sorts of uh, infringements. And is there any chance we can bring more of that back in there? Can we get some extravagant hand movement going?
2: Oh, I'm a huge fan of that kind of personality. But I, I know exactly what you're talking about. When I was coming through the ranks internationally. I would go to tournaments and I would get absolutely raked over the coals for a particular demonstration of what foul had occurred and, and what the player had done to incur it. some some sort of turning motion with one of my hands to show yeah. that they had obstructed in a particular way. And, and I was told, that's not standard. That's going to be misunderstood. You can't do that. and And it is unfortunate because we did lose that character. I think things are shifting and you're seeing some of that coming back at the top levels and a lot of that has to do with the more with more the publicity that's starting to accrue to to umpires and them being on camera and you know th- they are developing their own style so when i'm training umpires now I, I actually have to stifle that impulse to stop them from doing something that's unique and say actually no that's kind of cool that's their gig and as long as it works in the context of that game and the players understand, then there's nothing wrong with it. So, like you, I, I hope that that personality and that showmanship comes back into the game.
1: I did like them to hold the 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 sign for the infringement a little bit longer, but because by the time the cameras actually get onto the umpire, they've moved on for what the actual the, what the what line. the infringement was given yeah. from, and they're you know pointing for a sixteen or whatever else it might be.
2: Oh, my uh, that, that would be great But trust me at that level They don't have time yeah, They yeah, are on right. to the next decision yeah. They have to set up for the next play They have to be reading ahead There is no holding for anything these days The game is just way too fast yeah. oh, That's
0: something we can blame the, Another thing we can blame the
1: broadcasters
0: yeah, <laughs> for We'll keep it for them um,
1: So your, po- your podcast is, is due out when?
2: <laughs> it is due out in two weeks from tomorrow
1: Fantastic. So not far away. So the date, I, that yeah, being... I, I don't feel
2: like I should mention a date because I'm not sure when this episode will come out. But uh, um, oh, we'll, we'll, Yeah, we'll. Yeah, no, we'll. Yeah, we're,
1: we'll. We'll be out tomorrow. So yeah. So we'll let mid, mid November.
2: Right, mid November. So yeah, just head on over to fhumpires.com, and of course it'll be on all of my various social media feeds, and all that kind of thing. My first guest is going to be Leela Sacre, who's a Canadian Fih umpire. Who is who has moved over to England and she is now a full-time umpire over in England. So
1: it'll be a good story. Now, before you go, Keely, and we, we will catch up again in the future, but uh whistle of choice.
2: Oh, there is only one whistle. It oh, is the
1: Fox 40 classic. <laughs> I oh. <I've> just <laughs> rule them off. I just ma- I just mailed that to John then Fox 40. I knew it would be a
0: Fox 40. A Fox uh, see, I I liked uh, I used to have one that was a steel thing. I think it was called the Whistler. Acme Whistler Whistler. A little pea inside. Yeah, it had a proper P yeah. and everything. It was great. What it oh, is.
2: you cannot see my expression right now, but I am cringing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I, it I, doesn't I, matter <laughs> about the whistle. You just need a green one, a yellow one and a red one and point. And it all works out well.
1: Precisely. Keeley, great to catch up. Thanks oh, so I've much. Got got lot. Lot. Hang got on, one more for you. Go. I've got
0: one more for you, Keeley. How long do you think it'll be before they bring back the bully, Keeley? <laughs>
2: look guys nobody <laughs> likes a bully oh. there's a reason why there are worldwide anti-bully campaigns going oh, on no. nobody likes them
1: I have to say I played a game of sevens last night and we had a bully in the, in the middle of the field a friend of mine got sent off it was mentioned earlier on in the podcast <laughs> 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 but we we had a bully and I won it yes you did, well, did three yeah. sticks over bully. No, it was a two it was a two tap and away we went oh no oh
2: there's go a two tap yeah that's not the rule
1: but it was mod- modified rules <laughs>
0: <laughs> those folks by that stage can only count to two.
2: Oh goodness yeah well I don't think that's something that's going to be making a return to the game oh, and, no.
0: uh, we're going to keep working on you Keely
2: alright alright fair
0: enough
1: Keely, thanks so much for joining us and uh, yeah good luck with play on podcast which will be available at all uh Good podcast, you know, pod captures and iTunes and all that, I hope. And uh, we hopefully will catch up again soon.
2: My pleasure. And yes, I'm looking forward to the next time.
0: And that was Keely Dunn here on the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast. Keely runs FHUmpires.com. That's the website. And there's also the social addresses, Matt.
1: Just search on Twitter at fhumpires and uh, she's yeah. pretty prolific there on the old Twitter. Yeah, fantastic, really good value, really yeah. good
0: value. So uh, look out for Keely and her work there, and also she's, uh, you know, has uh, articles printed occasionally
1: as well as we know. That's right, and, and yeah, lots of more exciting stuff coming up there as as we discussed.
0: Yeah, a couple of quick talking points, Matt, that I um, sort of glossed over before. First up, Egypt and the African Cup of Nations. Now. I got to thinking about Egypt because they've just lost out to South Africa. They two um, one in the final. They drew with them three all. They're not obviously not far away from South Africa as far as their their quality goes. Now, when you look at Egypt and their world ranking, they're probably not going to get through to a World Cup as as the qualification process stands at the moment through a World League final. You know that the pool is too big of the nations that they've got to come up against. But when they play the African Cup of Nations, and very much like when New Zealand plays Australia in the Oceania Cup, just a larger pool of less qualified nations that they're playing against, they're in with a real shot of qualifying not only for a World Cup, but also for an Olympic place. If you qualify in the right year, you're going to the Olympics as a confederation champion. Now, it'll be interesting to see where Egypt hockey takes it from their point and whether uh, they're, they're on the cusp
1: See, I'm I'm not sure about the foundation of uh, Egyptian hockey, whether it's the club-based... I know of one club that I I played against many, many years ago, uh, not long after the Barcelona Olympics, a club side called Sharkia from Egypt. And I know that they've been African club uh, champions on a number of occasions. Here's the thing. What I love about Africa is they have a club championship. And so the top club sides from the domestic leagues across Africa... Come together to, to find it out. Now it's, you know, we've, we see in Euro Hockey League that th- people are, are loving this concept in Europe, but it's still a fairly new concept. It's, you know, less than 10 years old. That's not the case with, with, with Africa. Um, and that's been part of the fabric of, of African hockey. Now Sharkia have been at the top of the tree. Um, as a, as a club side there, and I wouldn't mind betting that their national side has a, a fair bulk of those guys in there. It would be a con you know, fairly concentrated league system there, and, uh, it's going to be tough to get over South Africa for them, you know? It's, it's, uh, it, it, you know, it's a bit of a different system there. But South Africa has its own bloody problems as well, you know, they, they struggle to get the ranking points when they get, you know, uh, disallowed by their own Olympic committee to go, go yeah, to the Olympics.
0: Look, that's another, and we might revisit that situation, I mean, it's past us now, but it's worthwhile revisiting in a future episode of the podcast, Yes, yes,
1: that was yes. a terrible situation they did face.
0: Yeah, but um, yeah, but you're right. But yeah,
1: what, what back, yeah, what's the future there for Egypt? You
0: know, they, they've got a real good opportunity here to be having their team playing in these big tournaments, world hockey tournaments, without perhaps having to fight as hard as say some of the European nations do. Yeah. And and um, that's not, that's just the way it is. I'm not making any sort of good or bad judgment
1: about that. Well, in that final and, game, they they led they led for the majority, one 0 and that's and, right. Yeah, you
0: know. but um, you know. Encourage them in all ways, shapes, and forms to keep going, and and to understand that they they've got a good shot to be a big player in in world hockey. And you know the more, better teams, if they if they can crack into that echelon through a world these quite sort of African Cup of Nations qualification, then suddenly they'll be playing these other bigger nations more often, and that might prove to be more lucrative, which means they can plug more money into their junior development. Well,
1: look, the game. I'm I'm going to be interested to see what what's coming out of places like Zambia in 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 years time with the the time and the coaching that's been put in at grassroots level there and it's been done at a very pure level and I think we might see a few little bolters come out of Africa in within the next 10 years.
0: And, of course, as we all know, if anybody's but done basic school physics, that old equal-opposite reaction sort of stuff goes. Now, every team that goes in, there's a team that's going to come out. You know, we can, oh, if Egypt rises up and does it, someone's missing out. In this case, it would be South Africa. And there's repercussions for South African hockey as well. So when we talk about growing the game... We've got to go beyond thinking just about getting teams up. It's what happens when teams drop as well. It's just as important that we work with those countries as well and and that they do get opportunities to continue playing against the best nations regardless of where they happen to sit on the table Because and often we need to proffer them financial support. If the game can afford it, we should be offering to help these nations that are dropping out and we know what happens if a nation drops out and suddenly interest wanes away you can fall very quickly yeah, you can yeah. free fall very quickly
1: I think what John's looking for is a 2026 World Cup 64 team competition
0: oh well how many are there I think 64 we're cutting out too many there there's only 100 I mean you know, well, 120
1: we can do 128 120 yeah, yeah 120 Festival of Hockey
0: I mean who's going to miss out
1: let's do it in Perth like,
0: any, anybody that's not anybody that's qualified for a World Cup or an Olympic Games for in that round of you know time frame yeah, yeah. Uh, they don't qualify it's all the rest of the nations in the world
1: well, because the other teams will all be full of professionals anyway. It won't be an amateur game there anymore.
0: Oh, <laughs> that, that's an argument for another day. It's a pro league. Pro, what does pro mean? Uh, speaking of things that go professional and pro leagues and all that stuff in the world of modern sport, I want to throw something up at you now. This go is for completely. It. I told you I was going to ask you something about this, but I didn't lead you on anywhere into it. So this is. Your answers here are quite um, okay. unrehearsed. Let's say they're unrehearsed. Now.
1: Have we, got a ti- have we got a timer on it? <laughs> not, not, not those kind of questions. You,
0: you, you do win a packet <laughs> of this wonderful new washing powder. Now, um, I was looking through the FIH website today, and which I find on most occasions to be quite a good website. I've got no real problems with it, except for the rich graphics that take an age to load. But that's another query, it does what it's supposed to do as far as information and things, and I was going through some of their documents today for other reasons, and I came across the competition policies and procedures document, now I couldn't find a date on it, Um, that doesn't mean a date didn't appear on the document, just means I couldn't find it, so perhaps someone... You know, could help us out with that date. I know someone's listening at the F.I.H. So you, I know you're listening. There has been
1: some uh, some fresh stuff posted in the past As week in. with regard to uh, doping and, and well, athlete, athlete was, standards and that sort of stuff. This
0: is what I'm going to talk about. So maybe the, this is not quite up to date yet. At the at next year's World Cup, at either the men's or the women's World Cup, how many dope tests do you reckon they'll be doing? Among 16 teams, so 16 by 16. I don't know. Sorry, this is in total everybody.
1: across. Both World Cups.
0: No, no, across just the men's. How many? And just the men's, for example, just the men's.
1: OK. Uh, there is a spe- there's a specific number yeah. written down there? Yeah, yeah. OK. There are, uh, 42. Oh, 20. Oh, 26 was the next guess. I was getting closer. Yeah, you're
0: getting closer. Yeah. At the Indoor World Cup, how many? Ten. How, well, you're close. Eight. Uh, at a continental championship that has eight or more teams, how many across the tournament, across the whole tournament, how many drug tests will
1: they do? Oh, well, it's law of diminishing returns. Probably three. No, well, <laughs> I got <laughs> eight.
0: And now I'm, I'm not. I, I'm, I must admit, I was a bit surprised by those. And there's other. There's others. They're equally as what I would consider low. Yeah. Uh, um. Maybe that's what the mandate is. They're signed up to Olympic agreements and all that that's sort of right, stuff. That's right, and it's it's it's, it ra- it's
1: random. A certain percentage of athletes participating. Yeah. but it,
0: it still thing. struck me as a low number as a member of the public, as someone that doesn't really often read this sort of stuff and understand this sort of is is that across all sports? Is that the, the level of drug testing that goes on?
1: I d- I did see something. There was a a 6 a.m. wake up for a, an AFL uh, Australian rules football player over here that was posting on social media the other day, and he was most disgruntled at yeah. Being woken up at that time of the day to <laughs> give a, a wee sample.
0: See, I'm, I'm not so sure I agree with that sort of stuff, but I, at the same time, I understand the need for some sort of control measure. Well, that's it, and it, it's there and for
1: integrity of sport, and often those it. sort of measures are put into place because too many people in the past have stuffed up and not played by the rules.
0: Which makes it, me question why you'd only have 20 tests
1: well, ab- across 16 players in 16 But teams. this is the thing, it's not, it's not considered an, an issue or a problem with hockey players where... We're 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 in a different space. There's a, a oh, lot I, of it. I'll I'll a see. lot. No, no. I'm not saying it's not happening, but there's a lot of integrity amongst the people that are involved within our sport, and I don't see it being if it was if it was offered across a dressing room. I don't see it being accepted as a uh I say it being offered, whatever it might be, some and kind ben, of yeah, some kind of performance enhancing thing. Johnson wasn't or.
0: handing steroids around the change room before the 100 meters final. No, either. but
1: he's a single he's a single man running a, an individual event. It's not a team situation. Now, if you want to be oh, a good look, team, like, you can't. you Plenty can't, can't, of
0: blokes in teams have been busted for taking drugs.
1: Yeah, 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 they have. But it's it, I'm, what I'm saying is, in a hockey sense, it's far more likely that. You ain't going to find your place within that that particular playing group I if, if, if you I think that, that's naive.
0: I think that's nah, naive. I'm year.
1: not saying it doesn't. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. But I'm what I'm saying is our, our hockey community are a pretty strong bunch, and they're they're you know we work hard, we play hard. There's um, I think there's little room for people cheating the system. I don't I don't. It will happen, but it's not commonplace in that game
0: you ever been, uh, had to blow in the bag on a Wednesday night before a social game? I
1: only had two cans of cider <laughs> before I played last <laughs> night, John, and there was no problem. I didn't get sent off.
0: This is the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast, and uh, time now to look ahead at what's coming up in the next week or so.
1: That's all right, John. So there is plenty to finish off from the... Um current tournaments that are going, and a few more tournaments getting underway. Uh, we've got the Asia Cup for Women, which is obviously finishing off, that we, we spoke about, but we've got the Four Nations tournament in Melbourne coming up, the International Festival of Hockey. That's for men and women. John, do you want to run us through the teams that are, are taking part there?
0: I will indeed. On the men's side of things, Australia, Pakistan, Japan, and New Zealand will be competing a Four Nations tournament. The Women, Australia, USA, Japan, and the Netherlands, and they're going to be playing a couple of games up at Bendigo, so taking the, the hockey out to the country there for the country people. Australia and New Zealand on the men's side are playing a couple of games and the USA women uh heading up there as well, and then they're back down into Melbourne on a Wednesday, what would that be, about the 7th, and going through until Sunday the 12th, where so the finals will be held.
1: A lot of preparation for Hockey World League in, in Auckland um, for for the sides that are involved well, there. Well, all of
0: those teams will be playing there, so...
1: It's yes. interesting seeing how the run ins come in for some of those international sides with the tournaments they've chosen to be part of and been yeah. and, and, forced to be part of. You look at the Japanese at the moment, they're in the Asia Cup. They're then, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's.
0: Straight it's, down for the international. Yeah. And of course, they're taking on the Australian women after that in a series of tests in Adelaide. Um, I think they're playing two or three tests there. And, of course, you've got uh, Germany playing England at around about the same time as well. They're playing tests, so they'll be warming up as well, you'd imagine. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, that's right. And also next week we've got the CAC Games Qualifiers for Men and Women in Kingston in Jamaica. Do you want to tell us what the CAC Games are, John? Oh, uh, look. Hang on. Russell, shuffle the papers. Russell, 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 Russell. Russell, that's, Russell. that's the
0: research. It is the uh, games of the Central American and Caribbean
1: or Caribbean
0: Caribbean yes Caribbean Caribbean so that's what that's all about it's so a that, second tier for the Pan Am is essentially isn't
1: so, it? so so they qualify but this is to get into that, that those conference. games is qualified okay. to get into those games and then the winner of those games then gets a Pan Am Cup spot next time around okay
0: well, that's the first of the qualifiers for the uh, CNC Cup then. Oh, see, there's plenty happening all the time. You don't get a rest.
1: Well, we do. We sort of planned out the calendar and we, it gets a little bit quiet sort of back end of December and into January and then we're into uh, the World Cup. But obviously there's lots of domestic stuff happening all over the world and, and when it's a bit quiet on the international stage, hopefully we can get a bit of focus on some of the domestic hockey that's, that's happening.
0: And get into some of the other issues going on around the place in hockey. But right now, Matt, it's time for.
1: So, have you got something else? Well, I think now's a time to make a little bit of an announcement. Oh, John. yes, it would be. So uh, we've we've obviously got the Hockey World League finals coming up for men and women. We haven't managed to get this thing organised that we're going to do just in time for the for the women's competition, but we're certainly going to have it up and running for the men's. So there's a we, we'll be launching a dream team fantasy league competition and uh, that's something for all of you to get involved with there'll be prizes for individuals there'll be prizes for your clubs so if you can get a group of mates together to uh, to register under your club name then you'll be able to uh, be up to win a club prize and there's obviously a chance for you to run your own little uh, fundraising competitions within your own clubs as well so watch this space you'll you'll learn more over the next couple of weeks we're in partnership with hockeyman.net and uh, you can go and check that website out to have a little look at the format that's there already. It's an existing Hockey fancy League site. And, uh, yeah, we've got a, a great sponsor on board that we'll we'll tell you all about in the next couple of weeks and let you know how you can get involved and and how you can win. Yep, looking forward to it. And uh, more details will be on the podcast and on the website,
0: www.thereversestick.net. What about the socials?
1: It's all the same, John. Twitter.com, Facebook.com forward slash The Reverse Stick.
0: And speaking of socials, it's time to find out what has been on the socials. Apart from the fact that we've written an editorial this week that is on the website about using the socials, so yeah. check that out and uh, maybe make a comment. Let us know by email, admin at stick dot net, what you think about what we've had to say.
1: Is, is social etiquette any different to socials etiquette, John?
0: Oh, that's that could be the headline. Mm.
1: There we go. Alright, little s- few snippets that have popped up this week on Twitter mainly. I did note that there's a new communications manager in place at Field Hockey Canada. And there's a little tweet from uh, Field Hockey Canada about the announcement, but also a response from the, the top man there, Jeff. And uh, I note that the new guy who's just started, who's not a field hockey player, uh, within two weeks of taking on the post is now registered and play, has already played his first game.
0: Oh, has he? Well so done. So
1: look, there's a, there's a message to the, the hockey, uh, organisations all over the world. Um, you want to get extra players? Give them a job. Other <laughs> things that, we, a couple of other things that have, uh, popped up. Um, I, I did mention about a gallery of old gear last week and, uh, asked for people to submit some photos. To be honest you know once again you're all bloody useless and got <laughs> absolutely nothing except for a comment from the gentleman at give me hockey uh, covers a lot of Indian hockey on Twitter so that's at give me hockey and uh, he mentioned that uh, um, <laughs> when his father stopped playing in the 70s that he used his stick to thrash him uh, and I went oh uh, but you know that 's interesting, <laughs> and uh, he said, "Oh, and then he came back and said, "Oh, I wish I still had that old stick, but my old coach said uh, that belongs in a museum, boy, oh, I love that stick." <laughs> There you go. Um, There's hockey a reason I haven't been on Twitter before. <laughs> EurohockeyTV.org, some great stuff popping up on there. Not only are they covering the live games, they've also got highlights packages from the Ernst & Young, the EY Irish Premiership, from the Investec English Premiership. There's highlights packages available to, to view for free on there. Great stuff. Uh, well done to Helensborough Hockey for trying to uh, get the hockey celebrity name pun Run happening on Twitter Jeez, come on, get around these people guys They're trying to make something fun And get some energy into the hockey community um, A few good ones on there My favourite was Oboe Wong Kenobi um, That came from me Uh What else we got, John? <laughs> that was your favourite one, was it? Yeah
0: <laughs> Nothing more grabbed you? Nah,
1: that's about mm. it for this week Look, you know, another great show Well, we, we think so Yeah <laughs> We hope you do too. Yeah, that's right. Thanks very
0: much to our interviewee who came in at the last minute, very much so. That's why this podcast is a little bit late. had a few timing issues.
1: It was a bit like when your umpire doesn't turn up and you look up to the crowd and go, can
0: anyone blow a whistle? Absolutely. There she was. She was indeed. And thanks, Keely. Uh, and one well, more before we go. Also, a special thanks to Ashley Morrison and the team from Not The Footy Show, minus me, because I had nothing to do with it, but everybody else who bought us the uh, Saltwater Johor Cup for us here in Australia. Yeah, the English fantastic. language, apparently, oh, it was yep. available oh, through across the globe, too,
1: Yeah, available yeah. around the world.
0: So, very much, and thank you for efforts. And it, it sort of puts into perspective the efforts of certain organising bodies in making continental championships available for us to view via a live stream even if I had
1: to pay for it where's the Women's Asia Cup